Well, aloha, welcome. As Amber said, my name is Stefan. So great to have you here. We're excited. It's a beautiful Maui day, and God is good. Let's give God a praise. He's in the house today, right? That's what it's all about. Hey, listen, we're doing a quick mini-series called QBQ. It's a great uh, book. Question before the question. You know how, like, in your mind, there is always something going on. There's thoughts. It's like several trees with monkeys jumping back and forth. And the thoughts really never stop. And sometimes it goes until three in the morning, but your brain's always going, you're always thinking. And there are questions that go through your mind. Uh, Maybe you have a relationship you're in where you're thinking to yourself, what was he thinking? Why would he do such a strange thing? Why did he say that? That is so embarrassing. Or... Why, why did you do that? Why did you spend that money in that account? We, that was my bonus for this year. Why did you do that, you knucklehead? And so we think about why. And then who, I'm just like, where were you? Where were you? We were supposed to go hang out, you know, in a relationship. We had plans. Where were you? Or, hey, I had, a, I had some problem, and I tried to get a hold of you. I always ask my wife about this. By the way, I don't know if you ever do this with people you're in a relationship with, but when I call my wife on her cell phone, I'm like, I expect my wife to pick up the cell phone, right? Because I always have mine right here in my pocket, and if she calls, I answer. I mean, 90% of the time, but then I get all hot and heated, and I just, you know, I call her three or four times, and she doesn't pick up her phone, and then I go into a rant and a rave, and then the next day, guess what I do? I, I, I miss a call, right? You know, I left the phone in the bathroom or something. But we're constantly thinking of these questions like, who were who you with? Where were you? What, when are you going to ever step up? What in the world were you thinking? And these are all questions that essentially pass on blame and a lot for procrastination and for us to not have to deal with our stuff. And that's what this book looks at. And a QBQ is basically, it's just a tool that enables individuals to practice personal accountability in the very moment that they have a, a perceived problem or issue come up. QBQ will just help you think through with better questions uh, rather than ones that blame. Because we're constantly blaming, like Amber said, right? You, you, how many of you can think of one instance where you just totally threw somebody into the bus? You blamed them. It was no question. They knew it, and you knew it. Oh, my goodness. You know, one time, um, well, not one time, often, not often, well, sometimes, I'm driving with my wife, and the phone is just such a luring temptation for me to look at. You know, there, there's a post on Facebook, or there's a text message, or an email, or a call, and I'm looking at my phone, looking down while I'm driving, and I'm not supposed to be doing that. Well, there are on occasion moments when I will all of a sudden come up abruptly on some head, headlights or some taillights, mostly taillights, hopefully, uh, uh, taillights. And then all of a sudden I'll look up and I'll like, <gasps> and I'll slam on the brakes and the truck will go, you know, and my wife's freaking out. But lo and behold, guess who was on the phone too? She was on the phone as well. So this, uh, phones obviously are a problem in our relationship, I guess, right? Uh, um, anyway, so she's on the phone too, and I'm like, why are you on your phone? I, you're my co-pilot. I need, you, I need you to be like paying attention in case I'm not paying attention. When I'm looking at my phone, I need at least one person in here to be responsible, to be looking out for cars, right? And then she'll be like, wait, you're the one driving. Shouldn't you be looking out? 
And then we go back and forth and be like, okay, let's make a deal. Nobody looks at phones while we're in the front seat, you know. And then, you know, but it, it, and it, I, every once in a while, we'll get just a rude awakening. Like, hey, you know, maybe we ought to take care of that. Maybe we ought to res- resolve that issue. Or then maybe sometime down the road, we will have a total truck and not too happy wife. Um, I don't know. But anyway, we're going we're gonna to think through this a little bit because uh, the world we live in, we're experts at blaming others, right? We're experts. You go down the line, the CEO blames the manager, the manager blames the employee, the employee blames the customer, right? The customer blames the government, oh, these taxes are high. The government, it blames like, oh, well, these failed schools aren't our fault. It's because these, these schools are bad or whatever. And then the schools, that what they blame the parents. Oh, if the parents have it in order, then we could do a better job parenting or teaching these kids, and then the parents, right, they're blaming their kids, the teens, and then the teens are blaming mom and dad, right, mom and dad issues, and then, you know, mom and dad are blaming the manager, and the manager's blaming the CEO, and it's all a vicious cycle, right, we just blame, 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 and it's convenient because what it does is it takes away critical thoughts that we ought to be looking at ourselves and, and self-accountability and, and self-reflection, but it takes away that thought process. And, and what it does is when we blame, it just, it just puts it off us, and it puts it off till another day. And that's how it works. But if we change the question before the question, then maybe it will lead to more constructive ways of thinking that will resolve issues and will actually get things done and will be, become accomplished and will feel good about ourselves. And I got to tell you, recently, I just, because of the book, I've been thinking differently, and I've been catching myself almost on a daily basis. Sometimes on every other hour, I'll be blaming somebody for something. And I'm, wait a minute, where am I responsible for this? How can I change my life? And I hope that's what this does for you as well. But before we do, we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to speak to us. Hopefully that, that God would just use me in a powerful way this morning to just really just start changing the way you think, because that's what, that's what this walk with God does. It just... The Bible says that literally by following Christ, it'll rewire the way we think. And that's what I'm hoping happens with you here this morning. Let's, let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much th- this morning. It's beautiful. It's, uh, it's amazing. The birds are singing. Uh, the sun is shining. The waves are roaring. And we're just so blessed to live in Maui. We thank you so much for everything, for providing for us, for a roof over our head, food in our bellies. Lord, and, and helping us also through conflict and hard times. Today, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me in a powerful way and, and change hearts and minds. And also, Lord, I just pray that the heart, hearts here of everybody that's here would be receptive to what you have to say, no matter how hard it may be. And that as a result, we can grow, we can be better people, we can be better, uh, we can serve a community better, be better parents, better employees and bosses and teachers, whatever we do, Lord, we just, we want to grow closer to you and become the best version of ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' precious name, and everybody said, amen, amen. So we're going to take a look at the number one. I mean, when I was reading this book, guess what? The number one Bible story came up to me when I thought about blame. Anybody? The number one. The biggest one. What was it? Adam and Eve. You're right. Laura, that's great. Adam and Eve, right? So they're in this garden. God created Adam and Eve in this beautiful, beautiful 
different kinds of plants and trees and fruits they could eat from, and there was no death, there's no suffering. It was paradise. And all God said was, hey, Adam and Eve, there's this tree in the middle here that you ought not to eat from. It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and if you eat it, you'll die. And then Satan comes in and tempts him and says, hey, well, God wasn't really, he didn't really mean that, and he's questioning, right? This is how powerful questions can become. We start questioning God, questioning ourselves, questioning people that we ought not to be questioning that are good and faithful and love, loving to us. And so Satan comes in and starts questioning Adam. Will you, will you really die? God didn't say that. You surely won't die. In fact, God doesn't want you to eat that fruit because as a result, you'll become like God. You'll have all the knowledge of good and evil. And so they ate it, and immediately what happens? They immediately regret it. They're immediately aware of their sinful nature. They're immediately aware of death's time clock ticking down now on their bodies. They're immediately aware of the shame that comes from sin. And so what do they do? They run and hide. They run and hide from God. And God is he's walking in his daily walk in the evening through the garden. How cool is that? Right? You get to walk just every, every day with God. Just go and, hey, what's up, God? Let's walk. That's what they could do. They had that access, direct access. There was no sin. And they, and they sinned. And the shame caused them to run and hide in the bushes. And so God's coming along looking for, where, where's Adam? Where's Eve? And then that's where we pick up here in uh, Genesis chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. And this is what it says. Then the Lord, if you could turn there, by the way, uh, we have a really cool custom awakening app. If you're not here on a Sunday, if you're out of town, if you're from another state, if you're across the world, you can tune in. We have our messages on, on our app here. You can give. You can read the word. It's really cool. I mean, my dad and I were, my dad and mom are in town. Why don't you guys wave in back there? Uh, give my parents a round of applause, right? They, they put up with me all these years. Anyway, me and my dad were going on a hike, and I was just literally listening to my app uh, read me the Bible while we're hiking up the Lahaina Trail, you know, the one that goes up over the windmills and down the other side, and we took a dip in the ocean. It was a really cool hike with my dad, but we were listening to God's word just as we were walking on the, on the trail. Cell phone reception, we're hearing God's word. Amazing stuff. By the way, there's a Bible in the back as well, our gift to you, Custom Awakening Bible. We'd like to give that to you as your gift. And if you could think of somebody that, hey, they really need to know God, and this might be a cool gift to give them, to introduce them, to take a Bible with you. It's, it's our gift again. Anyway, we're turning to Genesis chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. Again, we're picking up where God is looking for Adam and Eve in the garden, and he's wondering what's going on with them. And then this is what it says, verse 9. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I, I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Why have you eaten from the tree whose food I have commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me that fruit, and I, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied, and that's why I ate it. Okay, here's a couple things that I want to point out to you on this verse, a couple things. is this line of questioning that where God says, where are you? Who told you? Why have you eaten? God's going down, and he is questioning Adam and Eve. And this line of questioning is meant for an authority figure. It is meant for God who has the authority to ask us these questions because he's God. We're not God. He is. So he has the right 
to ask these questions. Amen? But do we have the same right to use these questioning with each other? The Bible says that judge lest not you be judged. And I'm here to say this morning that these line of questioning do several things, right? The, the questions of why, when, who, it basically makes you a, a victim, it makes you procrastinate, and it causes you to blame. That's what these questions do. When you use it with somebody who is your peer, your fellow human being, who is made in the image of God, those are questions for God to ask, not for us to ask each other in the same authority that he has. And so, notice, when Adam is asked, right, who told you that you were naked? Why have you eaten from this tree? Adam said, right, it was the woman. You know, I would have loved for Adam to have set the standard and example for us men to take ownership and responsibility in our marriages that when things go south, that we don't blame it on our wife. Because ultimately, we're held responsible men to make sure everything goes well. And when it doesn't, guess what? The buck stops with you. So, men, let me, let me put it this way. God says it in several different ways. He talks about how men are you're supposed to wash your woman as Christ did the church, washing her, the, the disciples' feet. You're supposed to wash her with the word, make her an environment. Some of you men are complaining about your wife and how she may become appearing out in public. Oh, well, why, why are you wearing that? Or you don't look that great. But some of you men are not creating an environment where your woman is flourishing, where she feels that encouragement, where she's like a flower, right? When, when, you, when you put a flower in a bad environment, there's no sun shining on it, and it's getting beat down by the wind, it's going to close up, and you're going to see the underbelly of that flower. But if it's in the sun, if it's being nurtured, it's going to be radiant and beautiful. And some of you are blaming your wife. Hey, why don't you work out? Why don't you look more beautiful? Maybe you're not creating the environment for her to, to be the best version of her, the most beautiful, vibrant version of her. And we, so we blame, we, we, we blame, we blame. And so Adam blames his wife when he's ultimately responsible. He's ultimately responsible before God. And then God goes to the woman. Okay, all right, well, let's, let's play this line of question. He goes to the woman, what does she do? She blames, it was the devil. The devil made me do it, right? How many times would that would be like a great, like, scapegoat, you know, <laughs> right? When you were going to, you know, face the court or face the timeout from the parents or going to the, you know, principal's office or whatever. Oh, the devil made me do it, right? You just can't do that. They're going to think you're crazy. They're going to put you in a sane asylum. You just can't do it. But that's what we're good at. We're good at blaming others. And so the blame goes, goes, goes. But then God ends up punishing them all. Now, death is their pain, suffering. Uh, working is way more difficult. There's thorns. There's all kinds of objects in the way of them thriving. And so eventually, Adam and Eve succumb to the consequence of their sin because they were asked the wrong questions and then they were themselves not checking those and being responsible and doing what God had commanded them to do. That's all he had is one rule. And then now he, God had gave him 10. He went from one rule to 10, 10 commandments. Um, and we'll talk about that more later, but I argue that it's actually not 10, it's one. Love, well, let's say two. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as a soul. But what happens is when, when, we, when we sin, when we disobey God, 
there's consequence. And each one of these questions we'll take a look at because each one of them is a statement and also a question. And each one of them carries with them consequences. And we're going to take a look at over the Bible where there are instances where people do this type of thing, okay? The first one is why. We're going to take a look at why. Why is simple as this. The question why, whether it's in a statement or a question, is I'm the victim. Why would you put me through this? Right? Question. Why are you such an idiot? Statement. Right? It's I'm the victim because you're making my life hell. Whether it's a boss, someone you're in a relationship with, whether it's your child, whether it's, you know, whoever it is, why is I'm a victim? And if you take a look in your life and you start listening to your brain, have you ever stopped and just listened to what you're thinking about? Because you're going on autopilot all, all the time. Have you, how many of you got in your car and ended up somewhere that you're supposed to go and you're like, I don't even remember getting here. I just was like zoned out and I'm autopilot. Anybody ever done that? The brain is constantly going. And if you're not paying attention to your brain, if you're not paying attention to the questions you're asking, could it be possibly that you're asking yourself a lot of the time, why me? Why me? Why did God allow this to happen to me? Why am I always fighting to get financially stable? Why am I always in this type of situation when it comes to dating? I'm always getting run over and finding the wrong guy. Why, why, why? But we don't ask the question before that. There's several instances where people in the Old Testament, great leaders, in fact, could have played the victim. For example, one of the ones that didn't, that that didn't play the victim and had a, a mindset that's growth. Well, like we talked about several months ago was Joseph, remember? Joseph was, <laughs> he was thrown in a pit. The brothers were talking about his death and how they're going to kill him. Then he was sold into slavery. Then he was thrown in prison. And he went through all these things. And he could have, at each one of those instances, he could have said to himself, why me, God? Why? And played the victim. And to a lot of us, his story would have been justifiable. It would be like, wow, you've had a tough life. Well, it's okay for you to be like, why me? I understand. I asked the same question for a, a lot less, but Joseph didn't. He had a growth mindset, and he thrived. In every one of those situations, he rose above it, and he chose to have a different way of thinking. He asked questions before the questions that led him to being blessed, being prospered, being promoted. Another example of the opposite is where someone in the Bible, great leader, chose to, do, chose to be the victim, and that's the story of Moses, right? You got Moses, and he's asked by God and either to go and take the people of Israel out of captivity from Egypt and bring them out of slavery. And <laughs> remember Moses, what he said last week, here I, am, here I am, send somebody else. He didn't want the responsibility. And God said, no, I want you to do it. So he did it. And he brought them out of captivity, brought them in the wilderness. And now they're all being disobedient. They're complaining. The people of Israel are just being impossible to lead. And Moses starts questioning why me? That's where we pick up here in Exodus chapter 17, verses 2 through 3. And so Moses said to the people of Israel, this is what he said. He said to them, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And guess what the people did back? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, why is it that you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst. Why? 
So Moses is saying to them, why are you so difficult to lead? And they're saying back to him, why have you rescued us only to bring us out to the wilderness to die of thirst? Why, 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 why? And Moses gets so angry that when God instructs him to go and strike a rock and have water come out to, 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 to quench the thirst of the Israelites, he goes, he's so ticked, he smacks it twice, bang, bang. And the water comes out. Later on, God has a little powwow with Moses. He said, Moses, you're a leader. I'm with you. I told you exactly what to do. Why did you hit that thing twice? Oh, well, I was angry. I was, why, why did you let me do? And God was like, because of that, you're not entering into the promised land. Jeez. I mean, he got to go and step on a mountain and look out over the, the promised land, but he didn't get to go in it. It's pretty harsh. But there are consequences when we ask these kind of questions when we're playing a victim, there's consequences. So what happens is our life can only go so far. We only get a certain portion of the blessing that was allotted to us because we're asking the wrong questions in our mind. When we ought to be asking a different question. Okay? Then there's the when. 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 It could be a statement or a question. When am I ever going to get out of this mess? God, when are you going to ever take me and relieve me of this burden, this thorn in my side? It could be a, somebody in a relationship or a kid. When, God, when, are, when am I going to ever get out of debt? Right? So question. But it also can be a statement. Oh, when I get 300 pounds, then I'll start going to the gym. Right? When, when my boyfriend starts getting to this point abusively, then I'll walk away. And what that does, the question when, it, it, it becomes procrastination. It births procrastination. We put it off. When is a leading procrastinating question that goes on in our minds. Also, that couple couples with that question when is I'll do it later or I'll do it tomorrow. These are things that put off what we ought to be doing right now. And there's a beautiful parable, right? When I think about this, right, this procrastination, I think about the Bible has a perfect story of that, right? It's 10 bridesmaids. There's 10 of them and there's five that are prepared. They plan ahead. They brought extra oil for their lamps and there's five of them that didn't. And basically they're sitting there waiting they're waiting for the bridegroom, and this is a parable Jesus is telling. He's a story, an illustration of the kingdom of God. And they're waiting for the bridegroom, but then life happens. That's where we pick up here, Matthew chapter 25, verse 5. It said, when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. When happened? When will happen? Right? There'll be situations in your life where it doesn't always line up where the thing that you need right now isn't there yet. And what you'll start to say is that when it comes, then I will take the next step. When God is saying, no, 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 I want you to be thinking about how to get to when before when happens to you. I don't know if that makes sense. But you need to be proactive. When you feel like you've gotten to a spot in your life where you're, you're hitting a wall and you can't get through it, you've got to be creative. You've got to think about how can I get over this obstacle because well, whenever this happens, we'll just cause you to delay it. 
How many in your life, to be honest, really transparent right now, how many of you are in your, that are sitting in here right now have something in your life that you know you that you ought to do and you really want to do it, but you've been procrastinating? Okay? It's deadly. It's deadly. But I'm going to show you in a second the question that will preempt these negative questions like why or when or I'm a victim or let's do this tomorrow. The third one is who, who, right? As a statement or as a question, right? When you're walking through the living room and you step on a toy and it's in the middle of the night and you scream out probably obscenities and there's like a Lego or a transformer or some kind of really sharp object on the floor, and you're like, who left us here? Right? <laughs> and then when you're not getting along with someone and you're in a little bit of a conflict, you say the statement, who do you think you are? Right? Do you see how there's statements and then there's questions? And this, and this who essentially is, I'm blaming you. It's your fault. Not only am I the victim, but you, you're going on offense and blame. You, it's your fault. You're the bad guy. You're the one that needs to work on something and not me. And really what it does is it takes the attention off ourselves where the work really needs to be done because that's the only thing we can control is ourselves. That's the only thing we can change is ourselves. We cannot change that person, right? That's not our job to change that person. But we, we, we only can control us. And blame takes away the tension of having to deal with ourselves, right? That's why when you deal with a fool, in the Bible it says you deal with three different types of people. Um, this is um, Necessary Endings by Dr. Henry Cloud. He talks about there is a wise person who when you correct them, they will respond with, you're right, I'm sorry, what can, what can, what can you do to help me change? I want to change. And your relationship will grow and become closer together as a result. And then you go to the fool and you, and you do what maybe God might do is when you, when you hold somebody accountable and what they do is they hold up a mirror. When you say, hey, you think you might need to work on this area in your life. They hold up a mirror and they start attacking you, blaming you because guess what? Now they don't have to deal with themselves. Right? They hold that mirror up. It's a defense mechanism. That's blame. Blame, it hijacks us and it stunts our growth spiritually, physically, mentally, and our, our giftedness capacity. Blame prevents us from growing because we never take responsibility. And so we blame. Some of the stories, I mean, I'm sure you've got some funny ones. I, I think Amber kind of stole mine. But you, have you ever, how, how many of you watched Dr. Oz before? Dr. Oz, he talks about health. He's very open. He's a, he's a very intelligent man, very educated. But he talks about the body, the organs, the different things that it does. It talks about things that are probably a little funny to talk about. Well, and my wife brought that up. Well, have you ever had to pass gas and you wanted to be polite and you wanted to do it in the right way? And I've done this before. So I've, I've been in the shopping center and there's an aisle like, you know, 30 feet long, 50 feet long. There's nobody there. I'm my response. I'm by myself. I'm a human being. And I let one go. And as soon as one goes, there's somebody making a beeline towards my area with their shopping cart, like on a mission, and they stop right next to me, and I'm like, okay, it's normal. 
And then, but the thing is, the convenient thing is, like Amber said, is to have your, your little kids with you. Because then you're like, oh my goodness, Kayulani, what did you eat? Right? You're like, oh, like, oh, if you have a baby, it's even better. Like, oh, I need to change your diaper. Right? Oh, let's go change your diaper. You know, it, we like to blame. We like to blame. We were, we're excellent blamers. But I want to tell you kind of a, a wise saying. Some of you will like it because you actually are sailors. But poor, a poor sailor blames the wind. No pun intended there. A poor sailor blames the wind. And that's what happens is a teacher blames a student. The parent blames the child. The child blames the parent. The coach blames the athlete. The athlete blames his own body. And then we just continue on blaming, 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 blaming. And Jesus is very specific on what we ought to do when it comes to blame. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 through 5, this is what he said. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will be able to see it enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Again, that's what blame does. It takes the focus off of me and onto you. When your problem is insignificant and my problem is so vast and so big, it's like a big plank sticking out of my eye. That's why we got to avoid the questions that continually goes through our head of why me? When is this ever going to happen? When is ever God going to come through? Who, who's responsible? Whose fault is this? Those kind of questions, you have to preempt them with a very important question. This, this is life-changing because if you really stop and just for the next day, I'm just talking about maybe just today, just today. I want you today, well, and I want to include Monday because Monday's a work day or a school day, whatever, because then you're going to be in the throes of it, right? And somebody's going to come up to you and start like, what happened here? And you're going to be like, well, it was so, you know. But the, today and then Monday, I want you to turn on your brains where you're going to think, you're going to listen to yourself think when you get up into an obstacle, when some, some kind of life problem comes at you. Would you listen to yourself? Are you asking why, when, who? Are you blaming? Are you becoming a victim? Are you saying things just so that you can procrastinate? And I got to tell you this book, and as I've been thinking about it, I'm, I'm catching myself over and over. I'm like, wow, I can't believe how prevalent this is. And guess what? I've been switching with a different question. And this different question has has already caused me to do some things differently in my life. I worked out, I had been planning it since January to start working out. I did it for the first time this week. I worked out my upper body with, uh, with some of those um, Bowflex, you know, interchangeable weights, and I just went nuts on those. And my chest, oh my gosh, it hurt so bad. And then the next day, I went on a hike with my dad, and so my lower body was worked out. And so my whole body was like in revolt. Right? It's like, feels like it felt like charging up a, an engine that hadn't been started in two years. Like the stomach was achy and acid was in there and my heart was, you know, you know just, you know, really working hard to get, you know, to get this body moving. And, 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 but I did it. I, I worked out for the first time since January, since I was supposed to be working out and getting in shape from the new year. And I did it this week. You know Why? Because I changed the question that I was asking myself in my head. 
And I said, you know what? No more excuses. No more excuses. The question I want to start asking yourself is how? Not why, when, who, but how? How do I take responsibility in this situation? How can I make myself better in spite of these external circumstances that are trying to prohibit me from growing? How can I be a better husband or wife? How can I be a better father? How can I be a better son? How can I be a better student? How can I be a better worker, an employee? How can I be a better pastor? And what can I do to grow this church? What can I do to grow my family spiritually? What? And these questions, instead of allowing the bad ones to keep on going on autopilot, they're interrupting the flow of life to where immediately somebody asks me a question and, uh, oh, Oh, how, how's this coming along? Oh, well, um, you know, my parents are in town, so I'm spending more time with them, so I couldn't even get, wait a minute, I'm blaming. The media catching it. And I'm saying, you know what? I need to do better next time. I need to manage my time better next time. I need to do this better. It's my fault, and I'm taking responsibility. And that is impressive to God. It's impressive to other people. When bosses come up to you, and they start going, Why? Who? When? And you're like, it's me. What? Yep, it's my fault. I'll fix it. I'll take care of it right away. You, your boss will fall over. And you'll be promoted so quickly if you keep on acting like that, taking responsibility, because that's what a leader does. A leader takes responsibility. Amen? But we can't do that by autopilot question before the question, negative questions that are limiting our growth. So ask yourself this week, when you find yourself thinking these things, ask how instead of why, when, who. Ask how. How can I be a solution to this problem? How can I think out of the box? How can I be God's love or his, his compassion to somebody today? You ask this question, and it'll be powerful. What we're going to do is there's going to be one area that I'm going to challenge you in that you're probably thinking the question why, when, and who, whether it's blame, procrastinating, or uh, being a victim. There's one area in your life, and you know it, and God's convicting your heart now, even as we we're talking. God's convicting your heart that there's that area in your life that you need to start changing the question because change can start today. It can start right now. And I know it's at the top of your brain, so it's perfect time for us to go before God and, and pray. We're going to invite the band up as well. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for what we're learning about the power of thought, about the power of mindset, and the power of questions. And Lord, I pray that you would, you would reveal in us where it is that we are playing the victim where it is that we have been procrastinating when we ought to have done it decades ago, where it is that we are putting off blame on other people because we're unwilling to do the work in our own lives. Father, I just pray that you would reveal that right now by the power of your spirit, and I know that you're doing that. And there's some of you that are just feeling it so heavy, and what I want you right now to do is I want you to say the word how. My, say that to God in your own way right now. Just say the word how. How can I change this? How can I 
do this differently? God, how can I be a part of the solution? How can I think out of the box in order to address this issue? And just speak that out to him right now. Just speak that. You don't have to say it out loud, but just right now. Ask God the right question. Ask yourself the right question. Now continue to pray. If you feel like, man, I got this thing, this issue, and I've been blaming, I've been being victim, I've been procrastinating, but I need, your, I need God's help, right? That's ultimately what it boils down to. We can't do it without God's help. God is not going to just give us the answer of how to solve it without him enabling you, giving you the power, the energy, helping you to overcome it. That's what he promises in his word. He says that he's going to help us to overcome not that we have to do it all by ourselves. He's with us. He is a God of relationship. He's a God of intimacy. He wants to walk it out with you. He doesn't want to leave you in the valley of despair. He doesn't want to leave you in the valley of shadow of death. He wants to walk with you in the pain, walk with you through this stuff. But he wants you to take responsibility, to be a man, to be a woman, to be a leader. Lead yourself well. If that's you this morning, if you got one and it's heavy on your heart this morning, without looking around, eyes closed, heads bowed, would you be courageous? Would you raise your hand so I could pray for you this morning? God bless you. Good, good. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. It's awesome. I'm raising my hand too. God bless me. Good, good. Uh, Lord, we, obviously you're doing work on hearts this morning. We just pray that you would continue this work, especially tomorrow and today. Today and tomorrow, especially reveal in us and catch us, help us catch ourselves, and especially with the help of your spirit, we'll reveal it, where we are doing these wrong questions. And if there is a pattern, Father, in a specific relationship where we tend to do this more often, and show us the patterns. Show us the areas where we're really, maybe it's apparent that you need to forgive or Maybe not blame for your issue, or maybe it's a uh, maybe it's a, a relationship or a marriage or a spouse that 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 you can work on you first before anything else changes. Maybe it's a, a tough work situation with a boss, whatever it is. Uh, God's going to help you through it. He's going to show you the patterns. So, Lord, we just pray you would help us with that. Lord, we pray you would help us ask the right questions and not the, the questions that perpetuate the being stuck. And, and, Father, we thank you for the power of your spirit that's going to reveal that this day and tomorrow and, and get, hopefully continue on for the rest of our lives. Um, we thank you for what we've learned in the knowledge. Now we're responsible for it, and we praise you and we thank you. And continue to pray this morning. Hey, listen, if you felt like you're far from God and... You've, maybe you've given your heart to him a while ago, or maybe you never have. You've never given your heart to Jesus. I'm going to give you the opportunity. It's a simple prayer. You need to pray. And he is an awesome God. He's an amazing. He died for you. He loves you. He paid the penalty for your sin. And if you want to make things right with him, if you want to give your heart to him, you pray this prayer. And if everybody can pray it out loud, somebody fills out that. You say, Jesus, I'm, I know I'm a sinner. All right? I'm a, I play the victim. I'm, I'm a procrastinator. I'm a blamer. But I believe you died on the cross for me, for my sin. You paid the penalty, which is death. But not only did you die, Jesus, you rose from the dead. You conquered death. 
so that I could be free. Jesus, I believe you're Lord, and I want you to be Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Wash me clean. Make me a new person. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody said amen, amen. Hey, listen, I believe in the power of God and his Holy Spirit. Let's give him a praise this morning. Yeah. Hey, how many of you are excited to use this way of thinking now? How many are you excited to test yourself? To say, how often am I thinking this way? How many of you are curious? I'm, okay, I'm telling you, you'll catch yourself a lot. <laughs> Don't be discouraged. But you just be like, wow, I'm going to change the way I think. Amen? Hey, we're going to worship here together. And if you could join us, stand up. We're going to sing and, and praise God because he is worthy. He is awesome. He's in the life-changing business. He loves you. And let's give him the praise. Thank you.